Welcome to the Widely Optimized Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Terea Rodriguez, and I'm joined by the lovely co-host, Evie Tackett. Both of us are functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners, and we love working with women from all over the world through our virtual programs, helping women not only feel better, but actually achieve that vibrant, no-holds-barred version of themselves they've been missing for a long time. And how we actually get there? Well, that is what this show is all about. Now, please keep in mind that this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. And if you like what you hear today, we would love for you to hit that follow button, leave a review in Apple podcast, share with your friends and keep coming back for more. Let's start today's adventure, shall we? Welcome back, everybody, to the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast. Can you believe it? We're at episode five of season two already. I know. I hear podcasters say this all the time, like how fast time flies. And I was just like, yeah, but it doesn't really fly that fast for me as a listener. But man, as a podcaster, the amount of work that you do, it flies by. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, you constantly have to be like working ahead. You do. You do. And I'm totally giggling because Evie and I have had conversations about scheduling the podcast and that kind of thing. And literally, we cannot keep track of like what month we are operating in when we're having those conversations. So yeah, it feels a little time warpish, but yeah. So today we were going to talk about this concept of the outdoors and nature being a place of respite. Respite. Yes. And I had to pause there because before we hit the record button, I have always said respite. And Abby's like, how do we really pronounce that? Because I always say respite. But yes, Abby gets the gold star today for knowing how to pronounce the word, which is awesome. The only reason is because I am familiar with respite care, like for like people who are sick or ill or the elderly. So that just made me think, well, respite care. So that's why I thought that it's don't give me that much credit. (laughs) Well, it's the concept of respite. And really, for me, what that means is, you know, being able to find a place of calm, being able to calm down my racing mind or calm down my nervous system. Nature has a way of doing this. And we've talked about forest bathing culture in Japan. We've talked about the sense of presence that you can have when you're in the outdoors. We talked about that with our friend Mac. You know, there's all sorts of ways that this can happen, but it's been really fascinating to me to really pay attention to when I am in the outdoors and when I am in nature, how different my body feels and whether or not I'm feeling a state of calm or a state of stress. Yeah. And it's such a difference. I I think when you start to learn what those differences feel like, it's much more noticeable when you are in those different situations. Yeah, it's a lot more noticeable, especially if you start to think about and be present with how you're feeling in that moment. And I think a lot of times we kind of just react to our life and think about the things that need to get done and the laundry that needs to be folded and all of those things. And we can spend a lot of time there, but we miss out on being present in the present moment. That's why there's this whole 
other like practice called mindfulness. Yeah, right? exactly. It's to be mindful of where we are in that moment. And I think nature is one of those areas that does that. We see a lot of evidence in even the technology that we have these days. So for example, Evie and I both have an aura ring that tracks biometrics, that kind of thing. But part of their feature in their apps are these soundscapes, right? And there's soundscapes with bubbling brooks and there's soundscapes with birds and waves and all of those sounds and those frequencies that we get from nature have a way of modulating our nervous system, right? And this is why outdoor spaces can be such a, a respite or a place of calm, for example. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've definitely learned to appreciate the outdoors as a place of respite for me compared to when I was younger or, you know, even just earlier in my adult years. And it's interesting when you do spend like if I do have a day where I spend most of it outside, let's say it's a weekend and it's really nice weather. So I'm going to take as much time as I can to be outside tying it into what you said about the aura ring. Like that will reflect. I will usually have much better sleep that night compared to if I had stayed inside and was working at my computer all day. I mean, it happens almost every single time. Oh, hands down. Yes. A hundred percent agree that you can see it in the metrics that we're tracking with something like the aura ring. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I absolutely love, you and I both know this acquaintance, but you will share your morning walks on your Instagram stories, right? And oftentimes when you are recording those, you're outside and there are birds around you. Well, we have a mutual acquaintance that is a bird lover and she's identifying these birds, right? But there definitely are studies that the bird song is one of those triggers to help us feel a sense of calm and that, you know, certain types of birds or just listening to piped in bird sounds is one way to do it. If you can't get into nature for whatever reason, I highly encourage that you do get out and try and identify the birds that are in your neighborhood. But now I'm kind of going <laughs> a little bit geeky on the, the bird identification area. But those are the kinds of things that we can do even when we're in a sitting environment, because we still get those sounds, we still get that effect of nature on the nervous system. Yeah, it's interesting. I have really great walking trails in my neighborhood, but I also live relatively close to a highway, an interstate. So if I pay attention enough, I can hear the cars and the traffic in the morning. It's, it's kind of like just this background kind of rumbling, but I pay more attention to the birds because one, they're closer to me, so I can hear them. But it really does make a difference. And I'll be honest, I didn't really start paying attention to birds until our mutual acquaintance started saying something. Right. And I, you know, it's, I was in my head, I would just kind of make out the plan for the day. And now that I stop and listen to them, it's, it really is relaxing. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I saw someone had actually posted not that long ago about the study that listening to bird song can actually activate your vagus nerve or, you know, tap into parasympathetic. And so I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. And I believe it now that I'm paying more attention to it. And I think there's this sense of like hope for the day of like, you know, these little guys are out there and they're singing and they're chirping and it's just as a good way to get recentered and almost like humbled with where your thoughts are and what's going on in the day and just reminding yourself to kind of be present in that moment because there's other things bigger than your own agenda happening out in the world. And I think that humility can be very grounding. 
Absolutely. And for those who don't know what the vagus nerve is, I'm just going to back us up a few seconds and talk a little bit about the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is a primary brain communication nerve that goes from the brain down through the center of our body. It's connected to all of our internal organs. It's connected to our gut. It's connected to a lot of different things. And this particular nerve can get out of sorts, right? It can get imbalanced. It can start sending the wrong kinds of signals. And so there's a lot of studies and a lot of people looking at how can we stimulate the vagus nerve in various different ways, either through electrical stimulation. There's like electrical stimulation devices that kind of runs along the like jugular in that area of your neck, right? So there's these stim devices that you can implant, literally implant to stimulate the vagus nerve. There's some other sound devices now that can stimulate using sound waves to do that, where you can feel the sound waves, not just hear the sound waves. So there's a lot of different ways to stimulate the vagus nerve, which we know now is closely tied to both the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. But what we want to activate is that parasympathetic nervous system. And you bet I have been in various different scenes, if you will, in nature, like just being on a shore next to strong crashing waves, like that really gives me that sense that you were talking about of just like, wow, this is a whole like experience being a human on this planet with these waves that if I were to go swim in them would knock me over completely. But, you know, just having that like sensation of not only the sound, of it, but feeling the vibration as the water pounds on the sand. Like it's just a really intense feeling. And I love that about nature because it kind of puts a lot of things into perspective. It does. And it's a good reminder that, you know, maybe what we're fretting over or maybe what we're overwhelmed by isn't really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. It might feel like a gigantic thing in this moment, but when you get out in nature, you're easily reminded that you know, things don't have to be this hard and simplicity is beautiful. And I think we fall away from that so often. We do fall away from that. I think we get so inundated with all of the details of our everyday life that it's really easy to miss those things when we are outside. Like I have definitely done a morning walk and I have missed the whole thing. Yeah. Right. I'm thinking about the dog running off. I'm thinking about the things that I need to do that day. I'm thinking about the laundry that I haven't folded in two weeks that's sitting on the bed. I'm thinking, you know, about all of those things, or I might be worried about something that's coming up that day. And I can do that whole walk. It's a full mile and a half, right? But I can't remember any of those details because I wasn't really present. I was just inundated with what was going on in my head. And it's being outside and being intentionally outside, which is kind of why I've gotten into the habit of doing like digital detoxes. Like those became popular a couple of years ago of doing a digital detox is so that I wouldn't go back into that world of being distracted all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to be distracted. It's easy to fall into that. And the digital detox, I think is something I'm doing a little bit more of. I'm not as great as I'd like to be. I do know that I have an obsession. It's second nature for me to be on my phone. And I don't like that about myself, but I think that's the world that we live in. It's very easy to come into that. So digital detoxes are more of things that I'd like to incorporate more this year, because again, every time I do that, it's almost like I come back to who I am. 
and I come back to who Evie really is. Mm -hmm. And it feels so right. And it's so easy to get swept up in the technology and social media and what so-and-so is doing and never feeling enough because of what you see online. And so when I do take that digital detox, I feel like I'm finally back and recentered and I'm charged for who Evie is really supposed yes. to be. Yeah. It's a really powerful recalibration. Yeah. If you will. That's a great word for you know, it. Doing it in, in that way. It's like we're recalibrating and we're getting in touch with who we are, but also getting in touch with what are the basic things that we need, right? Do I really need another package from Amazon this week? No, probably not, right? The basics are I need good food. I need some water. I need to breathe clean air. I need some shelter and maybe some clothes, depending upon whatever right. <laughs> climate you're in, right? So it's like, those are the basics. And sometimes we get so caught up in all the things that aren't the basics that we forget that piece of it. And I think a lot of this has to do with, and we've talked about this a couple of times, has to do with the fact that we as human beings aren't really as evolved from a biology standpoint to put up with all of the stuff that we live in now. Like our evolution hasn't kept up with the pace of technological advances and societal advances and, you know, building advances and automobiles and all of these different things. And I'm not saying like walk everywhere. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like there are all these different advances that have happened that we haven't quite been in sync with. And so it becomes kind of a, a battle, so to speak, in terms of how much time do I want to be spending on my phone versus maybe walking on the beach and watching the sunset. Right. How often do you take these digital detoxes? Oh, gosh. I would love to take them every weekend. But to be realistic, I would say right now we're probably taking one weekend a month, maybe two where we are intentionally going out to places where we can't get cellular service. Like this is the kind of effort that we go to. And when I say we, I'm talking about my husband and my dog and myself. We will intentionally drive to locations where there isn't cellular service so that we stop using them because you said you were a little obsessed, yeah. right? Earlier, was that the word you used? Obsessed, obsessed addicted, I don't remember. One of those. Yeah. One of those, like, let's see it raise a hands. Who reaches for their phone first thing in the morning? Me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, we all do. We have that compulsive, like, oh, there's a pause point in the day. Let me pull up the phone and check the news or let me pull up the phone and check email. It's gotten to the point where I've tried screen time or whatever the lock controls are. Like I try those, but it's really gotten to the point where we intentionally take one to two weekends a month right now to drive to a location where there isn't cellular service. And my husband and I do a lot of camping, so we're set up to stay there for a couple days. But that's what it takes is finding these spots of no cellular service. And I'm telling you, those spots are like vanishing yeah. fast. Oh, I bet. I bet. It's almost, I was talking to a friend and she was like, yeah, we went to an Airbnb and there was no cell service. There was no Wi-Fi. I said, how is there no Wi-Fi? And she was like, because the person made it that way. And I was like, what? Like, that's so crazy that that's so brilliant, um, unheard of, but so beneficial. So beneficial. I think it's one of those things that every time that I go backpacking in the backcountry or even hiking in a place like this, 
again, you're stripped to the basics. You are focusing on what it's going to take to get yourself and your backpack to camp. Next thing is setting up your shelter, right? So got to set up the tent. And then the very next thing is, okay, what's for dinner? <laughs> like you got to cook dinner. And after that, you know, you've got some relaxation time, but it isn't spent binging Netflix or HBO Max or, you know, any of this stuff. It's not spent on a device. It's literally spent probably talking to the people that you are with in camp. But if you're by yourself, it's spent listening to the birds and listening to the bats fly and all the things that are happening around you. And it, we get reconnected to nature in a way that is just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a wonderful experience. And I, I would love to do it more. I haven't quite figured out that balance between being connected enough to work because now everybody's work is reliant on the internet, right? So being connected enough to work yet at the same time, being disconnected enough to have that like constant reset thing going on. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you do it a lot more than me, first of all. And second, most people that I know. So, you know, that's really impressive to be able to do it that often anyways. Yeah. Have you done a digital detox? I'm curious about um, whether or not you've done one. Not a, I mean, not a complete to where I go somewhere where like I have no self-service. I did in the fall take an entire week off of social media, which okay. that was huge for me. Yeah. It was kind of brought upon me. Like I, I felt like I was at that point where I'm like, if I don't get off here, I'm probably going to have some sort of mental breakdown. And so it wasn't like I had really planned for it. It was just more of- It's okay. I got into this point where I'm like, okay, what do I need? I need to reduce- the amount of stimulation that I'm being exposed to. Yeah. And so I decided to take that week off. And the first few days was weird because I kept reaching for my phone. Yeah. And the phone wasn't going off. I had no notifications, but I just kept reaching for it because it's such a habit. Mm-hmm. And so that was really strange. But I started to feel like I, <laughs> funny enough, isn't this funny how it works? I was like, I have so much time. Like, I actually have time to do the stuff that I want to do. Yeah. And I'm not pressed for time or I'm not thinking like, oh, there aren't enough hours in the day. And not to say like people who don't spend their time on social media aren't allowed to feel that way. But I started to feel like I really do have the time. I'm just not using it properly because I'm spending a lot of time on social media. So I've gotten a lot better at structuring that. And I have time blocks throughout the day that I stick to fairly well that have made me feel like I'm not so tied to my phone or I'm not so tied to technology. So I haven't done a complete digital detox in the way that you're speaking, but the social media, I think if I had to pick one thing to make it easier, do like a weekend off, it would totally be that first thing. Like email, I'm actually pretty good. I don't check that often on the weekends anyways, but social media is like, as soon as I have a second, my phone is, you know, my phone is in my hand. And so I'm trying to be really good about that. And even in the evenings of shutting it down, and even if I do get a notification, that's fine. One thing that a friend of mine said that has stuck with me is the phone is a convenience for you, not for other people. And I really like that because, you know, it's like, it's convenient for me to have a phone because I can reach other people. I can call people when I need them or text them or whatever. It doesn't mean that like I'm a hundred percent available all the time, right? Our accessibility is not the same as our availability. Yes. So just because I am accessible through phone, through text, through email, through Facebook, whatever, it doesn't mean that I'm available. Right. And so that's the thing that I've thought of too. And so the more we're talking about this, the more I'm like, all right, I think I need to do another respite here soon. (laughs) Yeah. 
exactly. And I love that we're kind of branching into that boundaries piece of it, because I think of all the clients you and I work with, one of these things that can be so difficult for them is constantly being available for other people, right? We're in this culture now of like, well, I'm just going to instant message you. And I might do it in five different ways because now we've got five different ways to instant message and tweet and all this stuff, right? And so we feel like we have to respond all the time, especially when those things come with sounds that train us like Pavlov dogs of like, oh, that's the new mail. So, oh my God, this happened to me this morning on the walk. I kid you not. I was on the walk with my husband and my dog and the new mail sound came in. And the way that I have my mail set up is that new mail sound only happens when it's somebody who is, you know, put on my starred important list. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I literally said out loud, I heard it. And I was like, Oh, somebody important sent me an email. I'm going to have to check it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. It's just, and we're so like in this culture that it's, it's built these habits that are subconscious now. You reaching for your phone constantly, right? That's a subconscious thing. And it it almost takes that like cut off the internet, put the devices down intentionally to get us to a place where we're not constantly reaching for the phone. Because mm-hmm. it took you a couple days, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. And the more I do things like yeah. that, because sometimes I'll do that like on a Sunday. I'll say, oh, you know what? I might have my phone with me maybe to take photos because yes, like posting on social media is part of our job. Like it is. And, but I might not post it that day. I might just take the pictures or document whatever I'm doing. And then I'll use that later. So I'm doing better at that. And in terms of when I do that, and then when I also take, you know, respite out in nature, I do, I have that moment where I'm like, why don't I do this more often? Like, this is silly that I don't prioritize this. Yeah. And so yeah. it's funny how, like, it's almost like our body is like, this is what we're meant to do. Like, why aren't you doing this? This is this is what health is. And so I'm always reminded of that. And it makes me laugh because it always feels so right to do in the moment. And then, but it's easy to like snap back out of it and get back into work, work, work mode. Mm-hmm. Right. Like last summer I went to Greece and I was there for two weeks and I worked here or there, not really much. And I, I mean, I felt my best and I was really happy and joyful. And I felt like a lot of things physically and mentally were moving in the right direction. And I know that that's not necessarily ideal. Like I can't just pick up and do that any time of the year and like, oh, I'm just going to like fly off. Sure. But it was a good reminder. Not all of us are independently wealthy right. and, you know, can be hanging out on a boat right, right. all the time. Like, right. yeah, so totally. I get back though. And it's like immediately I jump back into my old routines. Yeah. And my body was like, wait, what are you doing? What? No, like, didn't you like, like, we like this. Why are you doing that? And so it's just always funny to me at how quick I can adapt in that way. But again, I do think that we're adaptable. And I guess good news is that it is easy to, I think, take that respite and enjoy it. And I'm just hoping that it's not so quick for me to come back into like the hustle grind mode when I do come back into basically civilization again. I think it's interesting that you're talking about coming back into civilization again, because something that happens to me is the opposite. So I experience it on both sides. So going out there, because I've done it a lot now, now I can shift faster. But, you know, the first time that I did it, and it was like a four-day backpacking trip or whatever. And granted, I used to backpack before we had these smartphones, before the internet, right? But it it's still, it doesn't stick. But the first 
few hours or the first day, I'm, I'm like you, I'm like reaching for the phone. I'm not sure what to do with myself when I've got a pause point, you know, those kinds of things. But then I get really soothed and used to kind of the new like routine. Like sometimes if you go to places like Mexico or Costa Rica or, you know, these different cultures that have a different uh, routine that are a little bit more laid back, oftentimes they'll say things like, oh, you're on Mexico time or you're on Costa Rica time, right? It's, it's kind of that feeling, like I get into it. And then we come back. And when we come back, where we live, we physically have to cross the greater San Francisco Bay Area to get to where we live. And there's no way around it. We have to cross it. And I literally have these moments of like, there's too much concrete. I can't deal with the concrete and the activity and everybody's rushing around and people are cutting each other off in traffic. And I'm just like, where's my campfire? Where's my stream? Like, yeah. I really love that environment. And I definitely get culture shock mm -hmm. because of all the activity. I'm just not quite used to it yet. And then I have to do an adaptation again to the other direction. Yeah. But yeah, that happens for yeah, sure. I know. And I'm hoping that maybe the more frequently I can do a nature respite, the harder it is for me to come back into it. Right. I think it's just because I don't do it so frequently. So my body's like, okay, back to, yeah. back to what we know and what we're so used to. Sure. But yeah, it's super quick right now. Mm -hmm. So, but I do know that you and your husband took a trip to a state park recently. Yes. And you were in kind of that environment. Was it internet free or not internet free? It was, so cell service was really spotty and they did have Wi-Fi. Good. Yeah. They had Wi-Fi. Which, Bad. Yeah. No, no to Wi-Fi, yeah. but okay. Yes. Yep. We, we did connect to Wi-Fi for like, basically let's map out how to get to where we want to go. Right. Like let's at least get that in before we leave. Cause we don't know if the cell service will be good while we're actually driving to this place we've never been to before. So even though we did have Wi-Fi, we didn't really use it that often. Like there was an evening where we were both kind of hanging on our phones, just kind of catching up on stuff and like thinking ahead for when we get back home the next day. But it's not like it took away from our trip. Mm -hmm. And I remember we, first of all, we woke up, which we've talked about circadian rhythm in season one, but we woke up with the sunrise naturally, right? We didn't set any alarms. We woke up and we, we woke up rested with the sunrise so we're awake, we're watching the sun come up and we're drinking coffee and we're, you know, on the porch. And I just, I, I found myself like, well, well now, like, what, what do we do? Like, what, what happens in the day when you don't have to rush off to work? <laughs> what happens after Yeah. Coffee? Like, what do you do with yourself? <laughs> and that was so sad that I had felt that I felt that way, but it was wonderful. And it was such a good reminder of not wasting time doing things that just make you busy. Like that busyness about our yeah. culture really drives me nuts. I think it makes sense to be busy. I think there's a difference though between being busy and busyness. And I find myself getting swept up in the busyness of life versus just being busy with my responsibilities. And so it was a good reminder of like, yes, you have things you need to get done, but you don't need to create any more busyness for yourself because then you're going to feel overwhelmed. Then you're going to be stressed out and then you're just going to complain about it. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a really good reminder having that much time in the day to say, shoot, how much of my time am I filling up because I feel like I need to be busy. And so when we came back, right. I really did this kind of audit on what my day looks like, what my week looks like. 
And I was like, I just don't want it to be the way that it was before because that's not working for me. Yeah. So I thought about when we were in the cabin, we had all this time. I could have fit in like four things in that two hour block that we had where we didn't have anything planned. And it's like, why does that, why do I, why do these things feel like they take longer or there's more of them to do? And I think it's because I just allow them to come onto my plate. Yeah. So I had this realization of like, you know, you have to trim the fat. You have to be really careful and diligent with what you allow into your life and what you allow on your to-do list, because clearly the time is there. You're just not using it properly. Yeah. This is all part of setting boundaries. It's setting boundaries about the way we use technology. You know, it's like, I always try and think of my smartphone as a tool that I get to use, not a tool that uses me, which I've been on that receiving end of being used by my phone and responding to all the red badges. And oh my God, I used to try and clear out red badges so I wouldn't have any. That drove me bonkers, completely bonkers. And so now I've just turned them off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I just don't care. And I use Do Not Disturb. It's my favorite feature on my phone. I shut it off into airplane mode when I'm done for the day. Like people can text me all night long for all I care. I am setting the boundary that I am getting a good night's sleep. So I am shutting off my phone, those kinds of things. And so setting up those boundaries is super important and creating space for ourselves. Because I think that's kind of what this outdoor respite idea is, is that we're creating space to be, yeah, to be a human. We're called human beings, not human doings. Yeah, absolutely. And when we create that space for us to be, whether it's fully out in nature without any internet or self-service and you're like 150 miles from the nearest gas station, like it doesn't have to be that extreme. That's my point. Like we could easily do this in a park. Yeah. We could just walk ourselves to a park, shut off the phone, and give ourselves 30 minutes to just be. That's an interesting place because when you first start, you get to your end of your cup of coffee and you're like, well, now what? Yep, I know. (laughs) Right? And it takes a little while. It takes a little adjustment to be in that space. And I think for some people, it's scary because, you know, stuff comes up. Yeah. (laughs) You start thinking about stuff. Stuff comes up that you typically can push down with your busyness. So it's a little bit Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. So I'm just going to, yeah, sure. I'll go ahead and take the kids there. And it's like, well, are you avoiding something? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, one of the things about this respite idea and the fact that it is such a way to regulate our nervous system, and it's, it's so powerful. Like it's hard for you and I to put this into words in this conversation, how powerful it actually is. Mm -hmm. But this is why, this is one of the drivers, but this is why I wanted so badly to start doing wilderness retreats is to literally get people into this kind of situation so that they can experience what this is like. And it's it's not a scary experience. It's actually a very relieving experience. It's almost like we get to release a lot of stress. Mm -hmm when we do it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I crave. That's why I'm like constantly, you know, planning out the next like weekend trip. Yeah. Is so that I can just get a, some space to just not have to be in that, like always on all the time mode Mm -hmm. that we are when we're working. Yeah. I know. I would encourage people to just, like you said, give it 30 minutes, maybe even 10, if that's all you 
think you have, right? I mean, you might learn that you have more time, but if that's all it's going to be, it's just get into the habit and maybe as dumb as it sounds, put it in your calendar, right? We're talking about getting away from your technology, but maybe you do put that in your calendar of, I'm going to go at least sit outside on the bench and I'm not going to have any music on. I'm not going to have my phone with me, whatever, right? Like maybe that's how it starts for you. Yeah. And that might just be what gets you to get a taste for what we're talking about. Because like Terea said, it's really hard to describe. It's very much a feeling and like a inner peace that you feel. And then you start to crave it too. Oh, yeah. I crave it so much. Like Mm -hmm. I wish that I could be out doing the Pacific Crest Trail one summer and then doing the Continental Divide Trail and then the Appalachian Trail because I think people who are doing those endeavors, and if people don't know what I'm talking about, these are these long through hiking trails that you can go from, I know the Pacific Crest goes from the border of Mexico to the border of Canada. There's lots of these long through trails, but doing that purposely puts you in that position where you are out of touch for a long period of time and you're in nature for a long period of time. And, you know, people have these profound life experiences. Mm -hmm. It's just like that book that Cheryl Strayed wrote called Wild, where it was recounting her experience being on the Pacific Crest Trail. And it was such a life transforming event for her that she ended up writing a book. It got turned into a movie. Reese Witherspoon plays it. So if you haven't seen it, go grab it off of Netflix or whatever and watch it because that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about is that it can be super transforming. Yes. Yeah, So absolutely. I mean, if anything, schedule time to be the sloth. Right. Exactly. I was telling Terea about, speaking of Netflix, there is this new, I guess, docuseries and it is about the national like national parks all over the world. And I'm only in episode one, but it was fascinating enough that I was like, I have to tell Terea. But there's this little, you know, snip where they start talking about sloths. And I can't remember where they were, maybe West Africa. I'm not sure. So don't quote me on that. But the sloths, you know, are just amazing creatures in the first place. And And they just hang out a lot, which is why I said, be the sloth. Like they hang from the branch and that's what they do. And they said it it. takes them a month to digest a leaf. Their metabolism is that that slow. Yes. Yeah. So they do not do much. No. So they, first of all, they, fun fact, they also turn green. So it was raining and these things turned green. They're like fur turned green. And then they go inside and they see that there's all these other like, organisms and there's these other like creatures that live inside their fur right and so they're talking about the importance of the sloth and how it's like really sustaining the environment because it has all these other things living in there there's a bunch of like fungi living in there and how those fungi have been found to be anti-cancer antiviral and i'm like they're talking about adaptogens and so yes, they are. It was amazing for me to see that and to hear that and like actually know what they're talking about. And I'm like, just say the word adaptogens. Like we know what you're talking about. So it was so cool <laughs> that I saw that. And it just, again, it all kind of tied to what we were talking about. But yes, be the sloth because they they apparently know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And and gosh, ecology and nature and biology is so cool when you get into this kind of detail. But Yeah. I mean, that's really kind of what we're talking about is put yourself in a natural environment, give yourself the space to just be 
and just see what comes up of it. And if you do get the opportunity, there's a place I'm dying to stay, Evie. Okay. This is one of the things that I want to try. There's a place called the Getaway House, and I'll put the link in the show notes. But the Getaway House are these tiny cabins that are all over the lower 48 states, I think, so far in the United States. And they are specifically placed in places where there's no internet and no Wi-Fi. And they literally are just a perfect getaway in nature. And you can rent them for a weekend or a week or whatever. And what's cool about these little houses, I, I need to copy this idea, but they've got a box. And you can put your devices in the box and lock the box for the weekend. Oh, I love it. Even though you don't have access to internet or anything else, it doesn't matter. It's just like, just lock it away. So yeah, I definitely need to book a weekend getaway at one of those getaway houses. I think they're super cool. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. So thank you everybody for joining us for another episode and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast. If you are ready to dig deeper into your health, stop playing the wackest symptom game, start testing to get better guidance, you can find more about Terea at tereyarodriguez.com and you can find Evie at holisticallyrestored.com. Want to peek into what it's like to work with us? Come join us at our Optimized Wellness community. You can find the invitation link in the show notes below. And if you have a question for the show, you can submit your question under the podcast section of TereaRodriguez.com. Finally, if you found something helpful in this episode, don't forget to leave a review, hit that follow button, or share it with a friend. They're going to love that you thought of them. Until next time, see you outside. Outside.